honor the sacrifice and the memory of those who have passed beyond the river. From the battlefields of France and Flanders, made for our dominion a place amongst the nations of the world. In the war, we must keep the vision of a better future. In the victory over those who seek world domination and human enslavement. We, the people of Canada, look forward to the last step in Confederation. If you have nothing to hide, why hide it? And I think, in general, that represents the thinking of free men everywhere. In World War I, the flag that flew for Canadian soldiers overseas was the Union Jack. This just means telling Quebecers that they can speak in French to their government. You had an option, sir, to say no, and you chose to say yes I... to the old attitudes and the old stories of the Liberal Party. That... The notion of separate but equal has no place in Canada. Sure that same-sex benefits pass. I stand before you today to offer an apology to former students of Indian residential school. As much as possible, stay home. Hello and welcome to the Prime Ministers of Canada. I am your host, Quinn Porter, and today I'm joined by former Member of Parliament, George Cooper, to discuss the life and premiership of Joe Clark, who served as Canada's 16th Prime Minister from 1979 to 1980, leading a PC minority in between Pierre Trudeau's Liberal tenure. So George, what impact did Clark's education and early life have upon his later success? I think quite a profound impact in this sense that he um, grew up in Alberta, went to high school there, took his undergraduate degree there, came to Dalhousie in Nova Scotia uh, for uh, a portion of his law degree, then studied in British Columbia. So he had uh, contacts across the country, which served him well. Um, and in addition, there was a very interesting um, event. Uh, in 1956, when um, a number of uh, school uh, kids, high school kids in Alberta, uh, were invited to come to Ottawa to see Parliament work. And they happened to land in Ottawa just at the time of the extraordinary pipeline debate uh, in which uh, uh, C.D. Howe, the then Liberal uh, Minister um, in charge of um, infrastructure, rammed through Parliament without giving adequate opportunity for the opposition to speak, the, uh, the Western pipeline, oil and gas pipeline. And that was uh, really the beginning of the opportunity for the Conservatives through John Diefenbaker, then Prime Minister, to take over. And it had a tremendous effect on Joe's understanding of an interest in politics, especially federal politics. And so uh, it often takes a lifetime to lead a major political party, but, but Clark did it at just 36. I mean, how do you think he managed to win the PC leadership in, in 1976? It was, it was quite extraordinary, actually. Um, leadership convention was, as I recall, was in uh, um, maybe February of 1977, I'll say. And... Um, and so the previous July, when the announcement was made that there was to be a leadership convention, Joe called all of these friends that I referred to a moment ago from across the country. And there were probably 20 of us. 
And we went up to a hotel in Toronto. And as it happened, Brian Mulroney did exactly the same thing with all his friends. And he was in the room next door, the meeting room next door. We all met for lunch, you know. <laughs> we, were all, we were supporting you. So here, here were 20 young, fairly young people sitting around the table trying to figure out where we were going on this. And we had a list of 126 names of people who just might possibly uh, become a leadership contender. And by the time we got through a very full discussion of each one of the 126 names, we came to the conclusion that there was only one name that could actually win on the final ballot. And that name is Joe Clark. Why? Because on the final ballot, we figured 50% plus one of the delegates would vote against Mr. Jones, against Ms. Smith, against uh, et cetera, et cetera. So we formed the conclusion that by definition, Joe was going to win this thing and provided we could accomplish one objective. And that objective was be in the top three on the first ballot. Mm. And that in turn meant that uh, we had to uh, come ahead of Flora, Flora McDonald, who was another, who was a Nova Scotia, uh, originally from Nova Scotia, but a very strong candidate. And we did that. And um, at that point, we kind of knew intuitively, and also because of the work we did in the intervening eight months or nine months, that Joe was a lot of people's second choice. So that's what happened. He just out of politic, everybody, and knew more people. And uh, Brian Mulroney was very strong. He came third. Bo mm. Wagner uh, came second. And so what did his early leadership of the PCs entail? Uh, well, um, he was very good in political organizing. And he was uh, a young, fresh face, obviously, um, uh, kind of in contrast to Pierre Trudeau, who at that point was uh, beginning to wear on, on people. Um, and so uh, this combination of being a fresh face, a kid from the West, uh, somebody who could speak French, uh, and therefore had a bit of a, uh, had a, bit of a um, seat in Quebec as well, um, I just think appealed to, to a lot of Canadians, all of these factors, and so in he came. Yeah, and so, so was it more Pierre Trudeau's uh, liberal government being incompetent or, or people becoming wary of them, or, or was it more Clark's political image and clever management that won him that election? Well, it was a combination, of course. If Clark hadn't put forward a pretty good uh, platform, political platform, and hadn't been uh, well organized, he couldn't have overcome uh, Mr. Trudeau. Uh, but, um, you know, people vote against incumbent governments. So Joe had that going for him. And so, um, you know, in part, it was the, uh, the feeling that uh, Mr. Trudeau had uh, kind of uh, run out his welcome. So it was a combination. And so you were in the House during, during Clark's government. I mean, was he able to achieve anything in the, in the brief tenure that he had? Uh, yes, indeed. Um, uh, I, I would say that there are two things. Um, he was determined 
to bring Canada back into the, the uh, fiscally responsible fold, which had been a touchstone of governments of both uh, stripes in Canada for many, many years. Uh, the Liberals were pretty good at uh, before Mr. Trudeau at balancing the books, and they believed in it. Uh, the party was, as as is the Conservative Party, consisted of people who were both fiscally conservative uh, and also socially liberal. That is the Liberal Party, and the Conservative Party uh, was sort of in that same mold as well. Um, so um, it didn't work because Mr. In this sense, that Mr. Trudeau came back into power, but it sure worked when Brian Mulroney ran, people said we're fed up, completely fed up. And I think partly because of the um, example that Joe Clark had given them with this runaway spending uh, under the Trudeau government. So the notion of fiscal responsibility came back into vogue in Canada because of Joe. The other um, really interesting thing that he did and one for which I think he should be praised by everybody across Canada. He completely transformed immigration in Canada. How? Uh, by bringing in 60 or 70,000 Vietnamese um, when the country was overrun by the communist North. And he did that by going to private organizations, churches, YMCAs, you name it, all across the country. And private people sponsored these immigrants. And uh, to a certain extent, we in Canada have retained that system to this day. We try to um, make, uh, make it clear that there will be private support uh, for people who are new to the country. And I think Joe deserves a lot of credit for that. So those are two things that he did accomplish in the short time he was there. Do you think he gets enough credit for those things? No, I don't. No. Um, Joe himself will tell you that uh, he was too young to be prime minister. Um, and so um, he, um, I think, made the mistake. I think he would agree it was, he would agree it was a mistake um, to call the Liberals bluff on the, on the budget. And uh, um, that brought Mr. Trudeau back in before any of these accomplishments could uh, could figure. Among political people, everybody, I think, would agree on the two points that I've raised and others besides. Mm -hmm. And I, I would this, that um, a lot of people don't uh, recollect as clearly as perhaps we all should, that Joe had a very stellar career after he was mm -hmm. prime minister as uh, a member of Brian Mulroney's government. I mean, he was an external affairs minister. Uh, of the finest kind, and I can well remember being involved in uh, international meetings where people would come up and ask how Joe, I remember Jeffrey Howe, who was the Minister of External Affairs of the UK, the Commonwealth and uh, Foreign Affairs, I think was the title. And uh, he thought that Joe made a very fine contribution to uh, world um, affairs, just to take one example. Mm. So, uh, you know, it wasn't as if he's some kind of a failure because his, his uh, premiership only lasted for eight and a half months, as John Crosby, the Minister of Finance, said, long enough to conceive, but not long enough to deliver. So we 
make his contributions uh, over the long haul. And, you know, there have been other prime ministers who um, did not serve as long as Joe Clark. I mean, John Turner, who was a fine, mm. a fine and, a, and a good parliamentarian. Uh, circumstances uh, often trump uh, ideas and, uh, and um, even experience. Um, when it comes to that, uh, Kim Campbell was in for a period of uh, time less than Joe's, and there may, may even have been others, but those are the two. Well, certainly there were others if you go back to the 19th century. Mm. So, yeah. so you think it was more the circumstances or the zeitgeist that crushed the government rather than, than Clark himself? Well, I, I think Joe himself would agree that, that he was... Uh, uh, too naive that he hadn't uh, that he was too young that he hadn't really he'd never been in, in government before of course he'd been in parliament he'd never been in government before uh, he would also agree that he should have called parliament earlier than he did he waited five or seven months uh, before calling parliament um, and um, there were a couple of policies uh, that he had um, uh, privatizing Petro Canada would be one and recognizing Jerusalem as the uh, capital of Israel was another that were unpopular with Canadians at the time. And Joe uh, probably should have said, uh, you know, I recognize I don't have a majority, uh, so we're gonna dump these policies and just carry on with all the rest of our policies. If he'd done a few things like that, I think he would have uh, slithered through and who knows, he might've been there for 10 years. Mm. Uh, so, so yeah, eventually his his premiership did collapse. Uh, Trudeau took power again, but then the the Liberal Party were on a decline in the in the later stages of that second coming of Pierre Trudeau. I mean, obviously they changed leadership to uh, John Turner, like you mentioned. Uh, why did Clark lose the PC leadership to Mulroney despite the declining Liberals at this point? Well, I'm not sure there's a connection between those two points. Um, I don't think the decline of the Liberal Party had any effect on the decision of the delegates to the Conservative Convention to choose uh, Mulroney over Clark. I think it was more of an internal um, struggle, if you like, or a readjustment, if you want to put it another way. And Mulroney was a very formidable campaigner. I mean, I, I knew them both at Dalhousie quite well. Uh, Mulroney was uh, a couple years ahead of Joe. Um, and, uh, you know, he was, a, he, as we all know, he was a very, very effective political figure and a very fine prime minister. So it was an internal struggle. The fact that he was from Quebec made a big difference, that Brian Mulroney was from Quebec, made a big difference. Because, you know, Joe's government was a minority government. We didn't have very many seats in Quebec, maybe 10 or something. And everybody thought, or many, many of the uh, delegates at the convention thought, well, we can change this with Mulroney. So I wouldn't put it down to some trade-off between whether the Liberal Party was up or down. It was an internal thing. So you've already mentioned that Clark became prime minister quite young and managed to have a successful political career after it. Uh, he became PC leader again up until the early 2000s. Uh, how effective was his leadership of the PC party and was the party doomed from the start? Well, I, I mean, uh, I think the proof is in the pudding. Um, it was really essential in the minds of most people, including my mind, that the 
two political, two big political parties in Canada that were on the conservative side had to join together, had to merge, because if they didn't, they, there was not a chance at all that they would ever um, be able to form government, and that would be um, not very sensible. Joe uh, felt, uh, it's my belief that he felt that he could bring this conservative or PC party back and uh, in such a way that it would attract the, the members who had left and had gone over to, um, you know, the, the various parties that were on the conservative side of the fence. Uh, instead, uh, the uh, union of the parties um, came together and, um, and, it, and that was the right answer because that party under Mr. Harper was in office for what, 10 or 12 years. So it worked. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he was critical of the merger though. And uh, he endorsed Martin's liberals in 04. I mean, I'm interested, do you think it's fair to say that he's closer to the current liberals than the current conservatives? I wouldn't put it that way. <laughs> I would say that he's a red Tory. He's a, uh, and I would describe myself as a red Tory, but uh, he wouldn't describe himself as a liberal. He, he now says he's not a member of any party. If you ask him today, he'll say, no, I'm not a member of any party. Um, but, um, mm. Uh, you know, I, I think sometimes in these internecine wars uh, within political parties, uh, people um, fasten on a particular view and they stick with it. And uh, I think that's what Joe did. And uh, so he wasn't able to bring himself to join in this new movement, which was really a combination of the, I'll say, the red Tories and the blue Tories, which worked for quite a while and one hopes will continue to work. I mean, people forget the liberals, the liberal party is very similar. Yeah. It's just have such, it doesn't have such prominence. It's similar in that there are a lot of um, fiscal liberals uh, who are not happy, for example, with what they see right now under uh, Trudeau number two and weren't happy under Trudeau number one uh, with the overspending and uh, um, the accumulation of debt. Um, uh, there, there were a lot of there are a lot of liberals who are concerned about that. It's just that in the Conservative Party, this bifurcation has been more obvious and more uh, pressing a problem for us than it has for liberals. Yeah, I suppose you see those divisions with a uh, kind of like the Martin Kretchen camps and things like that in the Liberal Party. Yeah. So, so when we reach uh, the subject of of a legacy for a prime minister, uh, what would Clarksby, I mean, you mentioned fiscal responsibility. I would say this, that um, if the test of his contribution is, did he preside over some uh, um, huge wave of change uh, in Canada in this direction or that direction? Um, was he the prime minister during uh, any of uh, that period then? I guess you'd have to say that he he didn't count for much. Um, but um, as prime minister, he did count for a whole lot in other portfolios, particularly the external affairs portfolio under Mr. Mulroney. But if you're just talking about prime minister, you'd have to say that he wasn't there long enough to do very much. If, on the other hand, um, the test of his contribution as prime minister is, do we want to have honest, 
decent, fine, uh, empathetic people to step forward and offer themselves uh, in the service of their country. If that's the test, then I think Joe uh, passes that test very well, uh, as do others, like, for example, John Turner uh, on the liberal side, and who was there, as I say, only maybe three or perhaps four months, I can't remember precisely, certainly less than half the time Joe was there. Um, everybody would agree that in his capacity as uh, prime minister, uh, Mr. Turner perhaps didn't accomplish very much, but he too was a, just a fine parliamentarian, a decent human being, and uh, wanted to serve his country. If that's the test, they both pass with flying colors.